Welcome to Nathan's School of Thought. I'm Nathan Walker, Global Performance Coach, here to share principles gleaned from decades of teaching, training, and coaching on four continents. Whether you're a senior executive, salesperson, new parent, military leader, artist, musician, head of a nonprofit, or a student, it doesn't matter who you are, only who you can become. Join me each week to have your brain flipped upside down as we move together toward a happier, healthier, and much more productive life. Hello, my friends. The other day I was hiking in some slot canyons in southern Utah and looking at the sand in places it was really soft, and it started me thinking about quicksand. I can remember, as a child, really thinking that quicksand would be my demise. Honestly, Every episode of Lassie or Flipper or, who knows, some Western, there was always a quicksand bit in there, and I thought that would be a much bigger part of my life. I can remember being afraid to go near a beach or a river or anywhere where the sand had at some point been wet because I was sure I was going to be sucked down. Deep mud, same thing. We all knew it was quicksand. When we would play games, it was always You know, we'd run around in the yard with our cousins or something, and then somebody would yell, quicksand, and we knew that that's that's how you died. Well, it turns out that quicksand wasn't really as big a deal as we thought. It wasn't even close. But we knew that quicksand was going to be a problem. A lot of us have things we know that we don't really know. So I put my glasses on because I'm reading a list of things that I jotted down Things that we know, okay? Um, We know that the likelihood of a child being kidnapped is higher than ever. So a child being, you know, snatched from their yard and kidnapped, we know that it's higher than it's ever been. We know that being a cop is the most dangerous job you can have. We know that evolution is the only possible context for what we observe in the natural world. We know that there are far fewer trees now than there were a hundred years ago. We know, or at least knew at one time, that the earth is flat. We know that the sun revolves around the earth. We know that airplane travel is more dangerous than taking a car or a train. Much more dangerous. We know that There can be no God. We know that there is a God. And last but not least, in the last few years, we've been told that we know the earth will be underwater in 10 years. Now, everything that I've read to you is actually something that we don't know. For example, the likelihood of a child being kidnapped from their yard now is lower than it was 40 years ago. Being a cop is not the most dangerous job. Did you know that being a lumberjack or a farmer is more dangerous? Those are a couple of the most dangerous jobs you can have. Commercial fishermen is up there somewhere too. Evolution is the only possible context for what we observe in the natural world. No, it's not. It's one of several. That's why it's called a theory. We'll talk about that some other time. There are fewer trees now than 100 years ago. Actually, that is provably false. There are many, many, many more trees now than there were a hundred years ago, 
in fact, by thousands and thousands of acres. Oh, I forgot this one. Putting leeches on someone who is sick is the best way to heal them because it draws out the bad blood. We now know that leeches probably are not the answer, at least not to everything. Though there is some merit to leeches. We'll talk about that another time, too. The earth, it turns out, is not flat, and uh, the sun does not revolve around the earth. Uh, The earth revolves around the sun. Airplane travel is terrifyingly dangerous. We're going to come back to that. Whether there is or is not a God is, is good for another conversation. And it turns out that it's been more than 20 years since we were told the earth would be underwater, and we are not, in fact, look out the window, we are not, in fact, underwater. Actually not the thing. So how come we believe this stuff? Whether somebody told it to us or not, why do we believe it? We'll take airline travel as an example. You might say to a friend, yeah, I'm just going to take a flight. And your friend might say, or what, are you kidding? No way I'm getting on a plane. I'm scared of flying. Why? Well, because it's so dangerous. No, it's not. It's, it's safer than taking a car. I have more friends that have been hurt in cars and on bicycles than in planes. Plane travel is one of the safest. No, no, it's not. Because last year, seven commercial flights went down and 312 people died. By the way, for the sake of this podcast, I'm just making this argument up. I don't really know what it was last year. But this is what your friend might say. And 312 people died. Well, yeah, but there aren't as many planes in the sky as there are cars. You have to understand, no. No, I am not. I'm telling you right now, you need to do your research. Planes go down all the time and people die all the time and and you're just gullible because it's convenient. The conversation might go like that. Now, what I just told you was an illustration of a thing called availability bias. The key word, available. So the way availability bias works is that when an event is prominent enough, it's talked about enough on the news, or when something happens that has a huge emotional effect on us, or when something is simply repeated so many times that we begin to believe it, we are involved in what's called availability bias. The person in the airplane travel example that I gave you has available to them a number of examples of plane crashes. And so they give it a disproportionately higher influence over their own beliefs, choices, and behaviors. We tend to allow availability bias to count more than it should count, to have a greater influence on us than it should have. There are numerous examples of availability bias. Things that we believe because we saw them many, many times and or were afraid of them, triggered by them, or emotionally affected by them. The quicksand example was another one. I really thought that I would die when I sunk in quicksand and there was nobody there to save me. By the way, you have to save somebody by, you have to use your gun if it's a Western and reach your rifle out so they can grab the end of your rifle. So if you're ever in a Western setting and you have a rifle, that's how you save somebody from quicksand. So how do we avoid availability bias? How do we avoid letting things count more than they should count? How do we avoid being absolutely triggered or even terrified by a belief that we're all going to be underwater in 10 years if we're not? How do we avoid it? 
Easy. Questions. Questions are your friend. The greatest religious epiphanies, scientific discoveries, and relationship breakthroughs come at the end of a question. Galileo had questions about how the world worked. Instead of simply accepting the commonly held beliefs of his time, he asked questions and provided answers that were enormous breakthroughs in our understanding of the world and of the universe and of how things work. Religious epiphanies often come at the end of very difficult questions, followed by a magnificent revelation. Other questions can help us in relationships, in the workplace, in personal relationships, friendships, those with our significant other, and the questions can be asked of them or of ourselves. For example, if I find myself constantly defensive when my spouse or friend or boss or significant other says something, I might question my own thinking. I might say, what bias do I carry or what belief do I have that I've had maybe since I was a child that causes me to believe I'm being threatened when someone says such and such? Do I have a bias? Am I being triggered by something I need not be triggered by? Asking questions of oneself is one of the best ways to learn. If you wish to fully develop into who you can become, ask questions. You might ask questions to the other person. You said once that when you were a kid, you had an experience. There was something about a fire that you and your brother started or something. Tell me a little more about that. As they tell the story of the fire, you might say, well, how did you feel? Well, why did you feel that way? Tell me a little bit more about that feeling. So do you ever feel that kind of thing now? Really? Do I ever make you feel that way? I will try to be more aware of that. Questions are fantastic ways to avoid false beliefs or biases. The scientific method involves asking questions. We ask a question, we form a hypothesis, we test the hypothesis, and so on. Now, there's one thing that involves questions that you should be highly aware of. If at any point someone tells you, you must not question this thing, beware. Being prevented from asking questions never advances science, religion, personal power, or breakthroughs of any kind. Those who would prevent you from asking questions are exercising force of tyranny. Don't ever allow that to happen. Now, if the questions that you ask, or the questions that are asked of you, cause you to doubt yourself, or trigger you in some way, if they create fear, anxiety, or hope, it would be fun to talk with you about that. Feel free to reach out to me. Send me a message. Go to my website at natewalkercoaching.com and fill out the contact form. It would be a wonderful thing to have a conversation with you about questions, beliefs, biases, and the meaning of life. Until then, have a wonderful week, and we'll talk again soon. <laughs>